Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. We're back here today as the Boilers are no longer undefeated after a 27-13 loss on a hot afternoon up in South Bend. Now, Purdue returns home for another trophy game this week. They open up Big Ten play with Illinois in the battle for the Purdue Cannon as Jeff Brom and company look to get back on track in the second quarter of the season. First, before we get started in recapping the loss to the Irish, we're getting some awesome numbers on our shows lately. Thank you to all of you guys who have been sharing this podcast and telling your friends. Uh, Welcome to all of our new listeners as well. I'm glad you're here. Be sure, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You don't want to miss any episodes. Give the show a follow on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. I have plenty more Purdue thoughts and comments on there, so you don't want to miss that stuff. And, you know, if you have any friends who aren't listening to the show yet and they're Purdue sports fans, send them this way. Uh, Hopefully, they'll like what they'll hear. You know, to recap the Purdue-Notre Dame game a bit, as you know, we don't do a lot of summary on this show because... You guys are listening to a Purdue Sports Podcast. I'm going to trust that you watched the game on Saturday. Purdue strikes first on their first possession, going up 3 to nothing, And after that, it was a lot of missed opportunities for the Purdue offense. Never able to score again in the first half. It was 10-3 Irish going into the locker room. Purdue comes out in the second half, cuts it to 10-6. Gives up a deep ball touchdown. Purdue comes back with a score. Uh, Going into the fourth quarter, they're down 17-13. You're feeling all right. You get the ball back down 20-13. Purdue never found the end zone again. Big 50-yard run by Kyron Williams. Put the final nail in the coffin. 27-13, the final score. Purdue had the ball a few more times, but never found the end zone uh, had a couple of interceptions late. The Irish moved to 3-0. and uh, believe they stuck at number 12 in the AP poll this week. Not positive on that. The Boilers falling to 2-1. and Diving into our takeaways here. What did this game tell us? Before I really start digging into the game, number one, and this is something that is really important. Try not to overreact to losses like this one, especially, you know, Notre Dame losses always tend to make Purdue fans go crazy. And we have an interesting dynamic on this show because, you know, some of our listeners are younger and weren't following Purdue sports tremendously hard or didn't grow up following Purdue sports when, the Purdue-Notre Dame rivalry ended, uh, so to speak, back in 2014 when it was played last. So, you know, it, it's different. That No one likes Notre Dame. Uh, they're, you know, they drive you nuts. I was up in South Bend on Saturday. You know, Notre Dame people aren't, as a whole, they're not a fun fan base to be around. I, there were more people with Purdue degrees in that crowd than with Notre Dame degrees. I mean, it that's what the place is. No one likes Notre Dame. No one likes losing to them. So it makes people go a little crazy. But 
Since the last time Purdue and Notre Dame played at Lucas Oil Stadium seven years ago, Brian Kelly has really solidified that program. I mean, that that is a rock-solid group. Guys like Kyle Hamilton weren't on that roster the last time Purdue played Notre Dame. Guys like Michael Mayer weren't on that roster the last time Purdue played Notre Dame. They're a good team, and I know, you know, they didn't look great against Florida State or Toledo, and they still, at times, didn't look great on Saturday. But this is still the program that was in the college playoff in 2018 and in 2020. I mean, this is a good program. Um, yes, you know, Purdue struggled at times. Yes, there are criticisms that you'll hear as we get on in the show, but don't take this loss for more than what it is. It's just a loss. It's a non-conference loss to a school that you don't like. Um, Purdue's got a ton of season left. It is not time to hit the panic button yet. And, you know, really, you have to like what this defensive coaching staff has done at Purdue. They played well. Uh, They played well enough to give Purdue a legitimate chance at winning this game. Uh, You know, when you look at the final stats, Purdue actually outgained Notre Dame. That's something that, you know, I certainly didn't expect to see uh, in this game. But, you know, Purdue outgains Notre Dame. Granted, it was by a few yards. Granted, quite a bit of that came at the very end when Aiden O'Connell was just throwing the ball around a little bit. But, you know, the defense played well, especially in that first half when they gave Purdue's offense chance after chance to put some points on the board and they just couldn't convert. The downside on the defense came before the game. And for the knuckleheads listening over on goldenblack.com, Friday was an interesting day when rumors started getting around that Corey Trice was uh, not going to be able to play. Was it true? Was it not? Purdue football posted a picture of Corey Trice getting on the bus on Friday to go up to South Bend that had everyone kind of freaking out. Uh, It turned out to be true. Trice is out with an ankle injury. We'll talk about injuries more later on as there are plenty of them. But Trice's absence really hurt Purdue in this one. You know, I look directly at the touchdown that Notre Dame scored on their first possession of the third quarter when Chris Jefferson got beat up top uh, going right towards me in the south side of the stadium. Uh, And, you know, that's not a play that Jefferson would be asked to make if Trice was on the field. That was in a nickel formation for Purdue's defense. If Trice was healthy, that would be Jamari Brown coming in to play that spot, probably. Um, I would hope so, at least. You can tell the the speed of the game, still a bit of an adjustment for Jefferson. Um, he hasn't quite adjusted to that Division One, you know, that high Power 5 level speed yet, coming from D2 Findlay over in Ohio. Uh, you know, and that's fine. That's to be expected. I thought Jamari Brown played pretty well in Trice's absence. Notre Dame certainly wanted to throw at him all day long. He got a lot of targets, especially on deep routes. Uh, Jack Cohn really tried to air it out going towards Jamari Brown. Brown held his own. Granted, the, you know there were a few deep balls that 
Cone overthrew by five to ten yards that probably could have been touchdowns. But, you know, Brown played pretty well. Diedrich Mackey was fine. Diedrich Mackey is better when he's the number two corner and not being asked to go up against, you know, the opposing team's number one receiver. It helps, you know, Notre Dame's best offensive weapons are a running back and a tight end. That helped Purdue in this one. Uh, Jalen Graham was fantastic covering Mayer. Uh, Really good job by Jalen Graham there. He's having a great year. Um, But, you know, as a whole, the secondary definitely would have benefited from having Trice back there. But at the end of the day, the defense wasn't the problem at all. On offense, the run game didn't stand a chance. 25 carries for 57 yards. That's bad. It's even worse when you consider that 31 of those 57 yards came on one King Doru carry in the third quarter. Uh, You know, you take that away, 24 carries for 26 yards, that's not going to cut it. Um, And especially when a lot of Purdue's run game came in a spot where all they needed was a yard or two. And very few times could they get that in this game. Doru, 10 10 carries, 45 yards. Downing, uh, Dylan Downing, the redshirt freshman transfer from UNLV, 8 carries for 14 yards. I mean, we just didn't see a whole lot in the run game work. And I can't rip Jeff Brom much. I mean, I give him credit for trying to establish it. Um, But... You know, it just didn't, it wasn't an area of the game Purdue was going to succeed. Marcus Freeman, the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame, did a nice job. Um, He certainly has the size up front on defense to take away Purdue's run game, and, you know, they did it. Um, Purdue missed Xander Horvath, for sure. Uh, He is certainly the best running back on this team. He is able to break tackles in a way that Doru and Downing are not. Uh, I I mean, I don't think the game outcome is different if Horvath plays, but I think Purdue's run game would have been better. As a whole, I didn't think the offense was aggressive enough. There were a lot of swing passes out to the running backs. There were a lot of short screens to the wide receivers we really didn't see many deep shots. I think it was only four balls thrown deep down the field by Jack Plummer. Uh, One of them was the incredible catch by David Bell in the third quarter that set up the touchdown. Um, You know, the offensive line didn't hold up well. Plummer took a beating. He was hurried on 16 throws, I believe. Of his 36 dropbacks, I mean, that's not great. But, you know, I thought the offense was going to be a little more aggressive. Jeff Brom has preached all offseason about the importance of being aggressive and taking shots downfield, um, trying to create big plays on both sides of the ball. I didn't see enough of that. The defense did. I mean, they tried to create big plays. They started the game. Jalen Alexander blitzing up the middle for a sack. Um, You know, on offense, we just didn't see it. And 
part of that is on the coaching staff probably for not calling them. I rewatched the game. You know, there wasn't a ton open downfield. Notre Dame secondary did a really nice job. Kyle Hamilton, as we talked last week about in the preview, uh, you know, Purdue didn't try to mess with him too much. And when they did, uh, unfortunately, it went very, very poorly and scared the living daylights out of 77,000 people in the stadium. But the other part of that is that there is too much talent at the outside receiver position for Purdue to have as little production as they have outside of David Bell. Three drops for Milton Wright. Um, He did have the touchdown catch on the fade from Jack Plummer in the third quarter, but three drops for him. That's five on the season already. Um, None of them as tough as the touchdown catch that he dropped against Oregon State in the south end zone. Um, I was really expecting a big year from him. I thought he would take a nice step forward. So far, we haven't seen that. In fact, in the second quarter of the game, Brock Thompson was seeing some snaps over Milton Wright at that number two position. Brock Thompson's been a good addition to this team. Um, I'll be interested to see what he can do. Uh, throughout the season, and I think he has next year eligible as well. He's going to be a good piece. Mershon Rice now is injured, of course. Uh, Just the way this has gone for his career, he just hasn't been able to stay healthy and get on the field. But, you know, we haven't seen a ton of him. When we have seen him, I've been impressed. I think he's a good player, but he just can't stay healthy. Abdurrahman Yassin was hurt a little bit early on in the year. We saw him in the late portion of the fourth quarter after Bell went out. Uh, You know, good to see him on the field. We will see how much more we see of him. Uh, Colin Sullivan, Preston Terrell, other guys on the roster that we may see at some point. But, you know, there is just too much talent out there. We don't hear of TJ Sheffield all that often. Uh, in fact, Jackson Anthrop was Purdue's leading receiver in this game. Seven receptions for 90 yards. I mean, you have to give the kid credit. Anthrop comes out and plays hard every single week. He is as reliable of a target as you have outside of David Bell. Payne Durham, another, you know, another reliable option. He is very good at tight end, although... In this game, he was used strictly for short passing, six catches for 29 yards. But, you know, where's TJ Sheffield? Where is Milton Wright? Brock Thompson, two for 18. You know, these guys are too talented to not be having their name called. Uh, At some point, you kind of have to look at this and wonder, when is the next receiver going to take his step up? Uh, David Bell's gone after this year. You would like to see someone step into that role later in this year so that you have an idea of who that number one option is going to be next fall when Bell is gone. And then the last takeaway from the inside of the game, inside those 60 minutes, what on earth happened with Purdue's special teams on Sunday? I mean, this is this is brutal. Jack Ansel was terrible, and I don't like being overly critical, especially for a true freshman who 
you know, had never played in a football game before he got to Purdue this fall, but he was really, really bad. Uh, back-to-back punts of less than 30 yards led to him being removed, uh, brought in Brendan Cropsey. Uh, he had a great punt to start off. I think it was a 50-plus yarder, got down inside the Notre Dame 15-yard line, and then he shanks one. Uh, Chris Van Eckeren in the third quarter, I believe it was, kicks one out of bounds, a kickoff out of bounds. You know, that's a killer. On the punt return game in the first half, TJ Sheffield catches a ball inside the five, runs into the end zone, and then barely gets out. Purdue starts that drive at like the two or three. I mean, these mistakes are just inexcusable. In the kick return game, we've seen nothing. Notre Dame was giving Purdue the opportunity to return the kick, and it's interesting. You know, for most of the game, Purdue was lining up with Jackson Anthrop and Marcellus Moore back deep to return. They were kicking it to Marcellus Moore. Now, you might think, why, you know, why are you kicking it to him? He's got all Big Ten track speed. Jackson Anthrop, you know, he's not a speed demon. He'll get his yards, but he's not a speed demon. He doesn't have that game-changing speed. Notre Dame was challenging Marcellus Moore to make a play on them that he hasn't shown ability to do, not by fault of his own. He just hasn't had the opportunity to. Notre Dame was willing to play the unknown, and it worked for them. Marcellus Moore didn't have a whole lot going for him in the return game. The one positive from this unit Mitchell Finneran, still perfect on the season, two for two on field goals and knocked in his extra point today, or on Saturday, I guess. You know, that's great, but Marty Biaggi's got his hands full because Purdue cannot let special teams become what it was last year when it was quite honestly getting worse week after week, and by the end of the year, it was just a complete full-blown problem. The injuries are piling up. You know, my concerns, only two of them. The injuries are piling up. Bell's injury was terrifying. Uh, I can speak as someone who was in the stadium. Uh, When Notre Dame Stadium isn't showing a replay, you know it was pretty scary. I didn't see the replay until I got back to my truck after the game. Uh, His head bounces right off the turf. Scary stuff. It sounds like he's doing fine. Coach Brom said in his Monday press conference that Bell is in the concussion protocol. We'll see what that means for his status this weekend against Illinois. Horvath was already out, though. Uh, He may be done for the year. Who knows? Four to eight weeks. We'll see. Corey Trice, uh, Brom says, is out two to four weeks. You need him back as soon as you can get him. Mershon Rice and DJ Washington are going to be out for a while. Uh, Brom didn't give a timetable on them, but Mershon Rice with a foot injury, DJ Washington with a toe injury, and then uh, backup tight end Jack Kravick out for the year with a knee injury. That happened really early on in the game. I mean, these injuries are just not what this team can afford. Uh, This wasn't a deep roster before the season started, before there were injuries, you know, you lost a corner 
in Florida transfer C.J. McWilliams before fall camp even started. You lost a linebacker in Samisi Fakasiecki in the first week of camp. And now you've got some key names. You know, you have your best receiver, your best running back, your best corner, all out. And then the other three guys, Rice, Washington, and Kravick, have all contributed this year. Rice has been good. Washington has been really solid coming off, you know, coming off the offensive line to the defensive line, filling in as a reserve there. And Kravick has been utilized nicely as a blocking tight end and H-back. I mean, this is really a bummer for Purdue. The bye week is in two weeks. You have Illinois and Minnesota before it. Can you get healthy? We'll see. And then finally, as tends to be the case in football, the quarterback situation is the story. Um, Jeff Brown decided to switch quarterbacks in the fourth quarter. Jack Plummer was 25 of 36 for 187 and a touchdown, and he gets benched. Um, Brom attributed part of this to him taking a lot of hits in the game, which is fair. Uh, He was getting beat up pretty good back there. Purdue's offensive line struggled. O'Connell comes in, um, 11 of 18 for 104 yards, throws two picks, both of which were on deflected passes. Uh, I wouldn't say he saw prevent defense, but Notre Dame was willing to give him a lot underneath. The stats reflect that, you know, 104 yards on 18 passes. That's not a, a gunslinger downfield offense. You know, Brom says Plummer's QB1. He'll start the Illinois game, and I believe it. And he always reiterates that he's open to playing multiple quarterbacks. Great. You know, Jack Plummer didn't do anything to deserve to be benched. Jack Plummer still hasn't thrown an interception this season. Seven touchdowns to zero picks. Saw a tweet today um, that he's one of six quarterbacks in the Big Ten to not throw a pick yet this year. There was absolutely no reason to make this move. Um, Other than, you know, I guess, sure, see what O'Connell can do, see if he can spark the offense. Clearly, the answer was no. Um, Notre Dame was just better than Purdue and you know, that's fine. That's to be expected. Notre Dame is a better program than Purdue right now, but now all you've done is put a sense of doubt into Plummer, And that's the last thing you need is for there to be quarterback issues here. Um, and now it's just going to become another storyline of when is the next move going to be made? If Plummer throws an interception against Illinois, is that going to be the storyline? I mean, I I don't know. I don't see the benefit of making that move during the game. I guess we'll see if it fires Plummer up. I don't know. He's played fine to begin with. He was excellent in the first two games and, you know, didn't take a lot of deep shots, played it pretty conservative against Notre Dame, but there wasn't a lot to be there for the taking. Um We'll see where this switch goes, but I was not a fan of it. And, you know, quite frankly, now that we're 48 hours removed from the game, I'm still not a fan of it. But it's game week again, the best time of the year. You know, you're moving on from one game and you've got another to prep for. Illinois game, 330 kick on Big Ten Network 
from Ross Aid Stadium. Purdue, about a 10, 11 point favorite. Obviously, depends what book you are looking at for your lines, but 10, 11 point favorite. The over under point total set at 55. It's supposed to be a beautiful Saturday in West Lafayette. Uh, as of this morning, it was supposed to be 71 and sunny. Um, if it ends up raining, don't come at me. Um, I'm just the messenger here. I'm not the weather man. Eli and I are one and three, one and one in the Big Ten. We will have a special guest on to preview the Eli and I here in a few minutes. But, you know, they were the story of week zero. They took down Nebraska up in Lincoln. No, excuse me, that game was in Champaign. Uh, in Champaign, they took down Nebraska, uh, really put Scott Frost's job into question, and then come back with non-conference losses versus UTSA and at Virginia. Last Friday, uh, they hosted Maryland on uh, you know, the Friday night Big Ten game that still shouldn't be played. Maryland wins on a late field goal. It's year one of Brett Bielema over in Champaign. Injuries have already played a factor for them, too. Brandon Peters got hurt. He's the starting quarterback. Got hurt in the opener in the first half. Uh, came back last week. Did not play well at all. Um, you know, the offense struggled last week. Only 335 yards. Outgained by about 150 against Maryland. A couple of their running backs get hurt. Both of them should be back, though. Chase Brown's going to be the leader of that backfield. They had their center out. That's one of the more underrated positions to have injured when you're kind of looking at it. That is very, very important. Uh, this Illini defense has struggled at times. You know, you can see their losses to UTSA and Virginia. Even last week, Talia Tagavailoa threw for over 300 yards against Illinois. You know, Purdue should be able to move the ball. I don't know what Purdue's run game is going to look like. I don't think it's going to be very good, but... You know, maybe they can run it better. Maybe you can get up to three yards a carry, three and a half yards a carry. Build on last week. You need last week to be the floor, and you need to get better from there. But Purdue should be able to throw the ball just fine, even without David Bell. As I said earlier, there's enough talent in that receiver room that Purdue should be able to, you know, lose one and be just fine. And even with Mershon Rice, they should be able to lose two and still have production from the receivers. Now, I'm not going to talk about Illinois too much. That's why we're bringing Sean on. Um, my keys to the game, though. Number one, the turnover battle. Only three turnovers for the offense through three games. That's not bad at all, especially when you consider that one of them was you know, that fake field goal against Oregon State that got picked off. So what? Um, two interceptions late against Notre Dame. You know, tough breaks, they happen. Um, Purdue was being aggressive late in the game. Got to force more, though. Um, Purdue needs to get after the quarterback. The secondary needs to make plays. You know, that's part of what Purdue's looking to do with being more aggressive. Um, they got some pressure on Jack Cohn. Never really had interception opportunities. You really want to see it here. Um, these are the games where you really have to start giving your offense the ball in a short field. You need to make a play. If you can score on defense, even better. But you really have to make a play. 
got to win the turnover battle in this one. Number two, help wanted. If Jeff Brom comes out on Saturday and can't let David Bell go due to concussion protocol, then who's going to step up? Uh, Mershon Rice would have been your number one answer, but he's going to be out too, it seems like. Milton Wright, the time is yours. Um, Jackson Anthrop, TJ Sheffield, let's go. Anthrop's going to give you a good effort. I can guarantee you that. What can Sheffield provide? Uh, Abdur Rahman Yassin, what's he going to do? Brock Thompson, of course, I should have said him earlier because he will certainly be a factor. Um, Payne Durham's going to be there. Will Purdue continue to go with a very running back heavy approach in the pass game the way they did on Saturday? I don't know. Um, but Purdue really needs someone to step up outside of Payne Durham and Jackson Anthrop and make some plays on the outside with some speed uh, that Durham and Anthrop don't have, but they certainly make up for in reliability. And then third down was really bad for Purdue against Notre Dame. Many, many third and short situations that they couldn't convert on. Uh, They tried to run the ball a lot, and it didn't work. What I saw earlier in this year was Purdue against Oregon State had some really nice play action looks when they had multiple tight ends on the field in 12 or even a couple plays in 13 personnel. I wonder if we'll see some of that moving forward because I just don't know that this team is going to be built to convert third and two, third and three on the ground. Third and one maybe, but third and two, I don't know that you can get that on the ground regularly. Um, You know, Purdue's going to have to find a way to convert in those situations because you have to extend drives. You're not going to have a throw for 13 yards on first down every every sequence. It's not going to work. You have to find ways to keep drives alive. My prediction, I think Purdue will bounce back here. I don't like this spot at all. Coming off a Notre Dame loss is tough. It's never been a great spot for Purdue in the past, but you know, I don't think Illinois is that great. Um, I think Purdue's going to win this one 28-20. It's, I don't think Purdue's going to cover the double digits, but I think Purdue's defense can come up with a couple big stops. I think the offense can convert against this Illinois team. Uh, Brett Bielema mentioned that they need all the defensive backs they can get. So I think Purdue's going to be all right in this one, but don't be surprised if you know the 2000 Rose Bowl team is out there doing shout, and this one is far from over uh, as the sun sets on ross Stadium on Saturday. Now, here we are. Uh, welcome to our Illini insider, Sean. You will hear him next, and then we'll be back with your questions. All right, we're here now with our Illini insider, Sean Kruger. Sean, thanks for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Always love to talk some football. All right. So, you know, it was a great start to the season for the Illini, a big win over Nebraska to get the season started, but three straight losses since then. How are you feeling about the state of the Illini right now? Well, uh, I can't lie. It is disappointing after that huge first week. 
Um, in reality, though, um, that is a huge win week one, um, especially for Bielema and um, the new hope that he's bringing to Alina Nation. But uh, you just anticipate more and a better result uh, week after week. But it's just been a little rough. Um, obviously, this down the stretch, he's passed three games. So, You know, you brought up Bielema and some of the new hope he's brought to Illini Nation. You know, big picture, the Lovey Smith era wasn't great. I don't think a lot of people necessarily understood the hire when it was made. And, you know, outside of the one year when you got out to the bowl, it just never worked. Talk to me about Bielema. You know, what? how are you feeling about him with the hire and with what you've seen so far? I do like the hire. Um, obviously, his history in the Big Ten, it's, it's proven. Um, I think that... Obviously, like I said, his week one win is a statement win, um, especially at home. I like his play style. Um, I do want to give him some time, though, and I think all the Illini fans out there should give him some time because he just doesn't have the talent right now to do what he wants to do in terms of dominant enforcement in the run game. Obviously, you see it now. Um, These past games, it's frustrating to watch because – you know, first and 10, second and 10, he'll be running the ball off the gut, one two-yard gain, now you're third and long. And I think as the years go on, um, as he expands recruiting across, especially the state of Illinois, a lot of recruiting to be had in there that's stolen by um, the Wisconsins and Northwesterns of the world when they were good. Um, hopefully that gets better as it goes. You know, the season kind of got thrown off to an interesting start when Brandon Peters was hurt what first or second quarter against Nebraska now he's back but he didn't have the best week last week what's going on with the quarterback situation there and you know what do you expect to see moving forward well like you said um his stat line this week it was 10 for 26 buck 85 and an interception um so not a great entry back into the game um game speed the quarterback situation Situation, I guess. I mean, it's. I'd rather obviously we want to start Peters. He's the guy who's been there. Um, Sikowski was good in that Nebraska game to come in and kind of man the ship. Um, but I think he's kind of what we know he is. Um, his years at Rutgers, one of the four touchdowns, 18 interceptions that season. Um, he was a serviceable backup in that game, but obviously he showed that. That she's just not meant to be a starter, I don't think, on this team against the competition they're going to be facing in the coming weeks. But, I mean, I think Peters is still definitely the option. Um, they just put out today that Bielema said that um, Brandon is going to be starting. So that's, that's all going to be, um, I guess, he's back in the swing of things. He was a little beat up at the end of the last game against Maryland. Um, his shoulder looked to be a little sore again. Um, but I think he's the plan is to have him start. So. You know, obviously the quarterback situation is something we're monitoring too. You know, Jeff Brown made a quarterback switch late in the fourth quarter. But, you know, for Illinois, what are some of the bigger weapons at the skill positions on offense that Purdue fans should be looking out for on Saturday? Um, I think, well, the number one um, threat at wide receiver I have, um, or that we have, is Isaiah Williams. He's a converted quarterback to wide receiver of a slot speed guy I, I really like them to utilize him more um, they can run him on sweeps they can run him on screens um, he's excellent downfield so 
he's probably our number one deep threat. Um, Deuce Span, another wide receiver, he's been a big deep threat. He only has a few catches a game, but he's usually running fly routes. So those are the two home run hitters on the outsides. Um, and obviously a running back um, this last week, Josh McCray, uh, true freshman, had an awesome run, um, like a 40-yard touchdown run um, against Maryland. He's really made a name for himself. He's a big bruiser. He's about 6'2", 240. Um, and he, uh, he works well with uh, Chase Brown, their starter, usually. Um, he's more of like the, every down running back. So those are the main four weapons, I would say, on offense. Um, they, the two running backs got banged up a little last week, but uh, they had said today that they're going to be good to go for Saturday. So those are the, the four main guys, I think, that are most likely to produce on offense. For Purdue on the offensive side of the ball, they really struggled with Notre Dame's defense last week. Uh, Notre Dame was physical. They were quick to the ball. What's Illinois' defense going to look like? And, you know, how do you think they're going to stack up against Purdue's offense when Purdue might be out, you know, their best player on offense and David Bell? Right. I just I saw that Bell was questionable at this point, at least on Monday. Um, but, I mean, I think Illinois, to this point, their strength has been the defensive line. Um, hasn't been great, um, but they have decent, like Jake Hansen's a very good linebacker. He has been for a few years now, um, but they've really been torched through the air. Um, opponents over the past all four games, 490 yards per game, 30 points a game, and that's just not matching up with our offensive production. So Illinois is very vulnerable through the air. So I know, um, your uh, tight end, I um, forget his name. Um, Payne Durham. Payne Durham, yeah. So I think he could be a matchup problem, especially if it gets put on a safety. Um, but even if they don't start Bell, if he's not able to go, I still think that Illinois is very vulnerable through the air. So, All right, last thing before I let you out the door. We got to have it. What's your prediction for Saturday? I've been thinking about this. Um, I think Purdue is going to be able to move the ball. In Purdue, Illinois' offense hasn't looked great. I'm thinking it's going to be a final score of something around the lines of, I would say, 35, I would say, 35-17. All right, 35-17. Sean likes Purdue to win and cover. I can't say that I went for the cover myself. I'm going 28-20, as my listeners just heard. But we will see. Thank you very much, Sean. I appreciate your time and your insight on the Illini. Thank you for having me, Jordan. Love it. All right. Thanks to Sean for coming on today. Always good to hear from him. Uh, He'll be our Illini insider. You'll probably hear from him again in basketball season when Purdue and Illinois face off. Now, a couple of questions from you all on Twitter. Uh, The first one was, you know, does Purdue bully ball Illinois if Bell is out? Or do they stick to the normal offense and rely on backups? I think Purdue would love to play bully ball, but I don't think Purdue's capable of that, especially without Horvath. Uh, I haven't seen any reason to believe that Purdue can run for 150 yards against a credible opponent, and you would have to run for at least that uh, to really abandon your offensive philosophy of airing the ball out pretty good under Jeff Brom. Uh, Purdue's going to run the same thing they always do. Uh, Nothing's going to change. If anything, they're going to air it out even more. I mean, 
You know, you don't have a big quarterback run game no matter who's in there, and your traditional run game just isn't great. You'll see Purdue try to extend the run game a bit with those short, you know, quick slants, quick outs, quick screens. All of that stuff is just an extension of the run game that you'll see, but no, I don't see Purdue lining it up under center and running it between the tackles too often. And then, who's the most likely candidate to step up in Bell's absence if it comes to that? Talked about this a bit. You know, I'm going to take Anthrop and Durham out of the equation because they've been fantastic already this year. Um, I don't think it's really possible for them to step up more than they already have. Uh, Give me Brock Thompson. He's a veteran. I think he is ready for the opportunity. He's shown the ability to make big plays in big games when he was at Marshall. I think he's going to step up nicely and give Purdue some good production. Um, You know, even if David Bell is active on Saturday, I doubt he'll be 100%. But especially if David Bell is out, I think it's Brock Thompson's time to shine. That's all I have for you today. Thanks for spending some time with me. Remember, Subscribe to Boilers and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at Boilers Beyond. I hope to see lots of you at Ross 8 on Saturday for the Big Ten opener. This time next week, we will be a third of the way through the season already. How crazy is that? And we will be previewing the homecoming matchup between Purdue and Minnesota. See you next time, folks.